But it's our very own, right, Jonathan and Laura Morales. If you guys could come up. Two deacons in our church. By the way, if you don't know me, I'm Joseph Boni. I'm the youth director here. Uh, yeah, but this is, these are two deacons. They're awesome. Thank you for the other mic. Thank you both. Uh, and they're going to give their testimony of not only their relationship, all right, but what God did in the relationship. Because God is in the midst of everything. You guys may think you're dating and God is out of it, but no, God is in it. He may be in it trying to get you out. But he's in it nonetheless, right? Amen? So give him a hand clap. Amen, amen. Give it up for Jesus one more time. Awesome, guys. What an amazing day that you guys have. What a, what a declaration that you guys are going to make. Um, something so special, and it's just our privilege to be here. Um, I'm John, like he said, not Jonathan. John. <laughs> uh, and this is my wife, Laura. And again, we're excited to be here and sharing our testimony with you guys. Um, but before we start, I think there's some photos that you guys are going to see of us when we were very young. So this is when I graduated high school. So we're going to go uh, up the timeline here. And then this is when I was brave enough to ask Laura to prom. So this is me in college. This is uh, uh, us in college. <laughs> And then this is the wedding day. This is the, the day we got married. And that is a random photo. When was that? Uh, graduation party. Oh, there's another wedding photo. And that is our engagement photo, so it's a little backwards there. But she said yes. She did say yes. <laughs> Amen. Awesome. I think that is it. All right, guys. So again, thanks for having us tonight. We're so excited to be here. Um, I'm going to start with sharing a little bit of our testimony. Uh, so we both actually grew up being Catholic, and the gospel was presented to us at a very young age. And since that, that young of age, we said yes to Jesus. And what that meant that we, was that we put our faith, we put our trust in Jesus, and we followed him. And how many of you guys know walking with Jesus is not easy, right? So we did have some bumps in the road, but by the grace of God, we have never lacked anything. So God has been so, so good to us. Uh, next thing we want to share is just a little bit about how we met, how we, we got to know each other, and how we ended up married. So we grew up in the same church, actually, from the age of seven. So I knew little Laura... She knew, if you guys saw in the pictures, Big Johnny. Uh, <laughs> um, I remember us playing outside of the church in the grass and then growing up in Sunday school. We were always very, very competitive in all the Bible games. So it's so exciting to see all the kids doing the, the, the Bible games and the, the challenges that you guys do, the, the competitions, because we were the best ones back in our day. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, and then, actually, we started dating later in high school when we were almost about to graduate. I was brave enough to ask her out, and she said yes, and she's been saying yes ever since. So, lucky me. <laughs> um, awesome. And by, at the age of 19, believe it or not, we got married. And that leads me, yep, praise God. So that leads us into the first uh, point that we're going to touch on. We're going to touch on a few challenges that we had because marriage is challenging. Raise your hand, the people who are married here. 
Mar- marriage is, is a little, is challenging. So we face some challenges in the early stages, um, and we're going to talk about, uh, about those challenges. So the first one was that we faced a lot of opposition initially. So we were so excited. We were like, yeah, we're getting married. This is awesome. And then our family was like, what are you guys doing? Wait. You guys are 19. Where are you going to live? Uh, what are you going to do for work? You're in school. Uh, all these things that are valid, you know, our parents do care about us a lot, and they want the best for us. But we knew this is what Jesus wanted for us. We knew that in order for us to have a marriage that honored the Lord, and we wanted to, to really honor the Lord in everything, and we didn't want to have sex outside of marriage. And we knew that this was, this was it. You know, this is, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. So we said we're going to do this in faith if our family supports us or not, and which they did, and, and we did it. But again, that was one of the very tough challenges is, is facing your family and, and, and trusting that the, that the Lord has the best interest and not your family. And that's something that was very challenging, but, but by God's grace, we were able to do. So another challenge, as you all can imagine, being married at 19, we were so young, we were so immature. So we would argue about everything, little things, the big things, everything. We would argue about the way we washed our dishes. Yes. So we wanted to build our home based on what we saw in each other's homes. So like the dishes thing, his mom would wash, wash cups and she would put them upside down. My mom washes cups and puts them right side up. So he would wash dishes, and I would go into the kitchen and turn them up. (laughs) So, like, all these little things, that is a dumb example. We can laugh about it now, but it was a big deal back in the day. Um, The toilet paper, the toilet seat, all those things that bother us, and maybe still bother us a little bit sometimes, um, is really hard to overcome when you're 19 and you're selfish and immature and you don't know any better, but you think you know better. So that was, that was a big one for us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Another one is, um, actually, there's a famous song. It's all about the money, money, money. <laughs> so this one it was, was huge because, I mean, we were 19 years old. I was balancing full-time school. She didn't have a job. She moved out to the big city to be with me. And, I mean, being the man of the house, you know, you always want to provide. And you always want to bring the best to the table. But oftentimes I was frustrated because of the lack of funds. Um, I took it out on her a lot. And honestly, there, it was by the grace of God. And, you know, it's just, it's just amazing to see how time after time we, God always provided. We always had food. We always had a shelter. We always had clothes. The same clothes. <laughs> we always had, yeah, it was the same clothes. <laughs> and um, actually, one thing that just blew me away was that one day I get a phone call from a friend, and he's like, he's like, hey, do you want a car? I was like, what? He's like, do you want a car? I was like, this is God. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, who gives a car these days, right? Mm-hmm. So that was a huge blessing to us. And um, we were just able to uh, move around a lot easier. And from then, we, we obviously graduated and both got better jobs and finally have careers. And again, another testament of how God is so gracious and how his mercies um, just abound for, for all of us who trust in him. 
Amen. Well, we can continue with the challenges and the lessons. There's so many lessons we've learned and so many stories we could tell you. And you're welcome to come up and, you know, if you want to hear the stories, I'm an open book. So feel free to do that. However, we stand here today after seven and a half years because of God's grace and because of his mercy over our lives. Um, we see marriages that fail, people that are older than us that end up in divorce. And so when I see that and I hear those stories, I'm like, there is nothing I did right. There is nothing he did right. It was all by God's grace. Um, in Matthew 6.33, we have a very strong promise. It says, if we follow Jesus and all of his things, all of his kingdom works, he will give you everything else. Let me tell you, I've seen that daily in our marriage and I've seen that daily in our lives because we put him first we are able to to have all these other blessings that we don't even ask for the car was just the beginning I mean I think of all the job promotions mm -hmm. all the great jobs the bosses the provision our house everything just comes because we put him first Amen. and there's another verse I don't think we we told you this one but this one's Matthew says that to become one flesh so until we actually hone that and we're able to put our selfish needs aside, you know, I think of like on a Friday night, we're both eating tacos. I have the last bite and she looks at me. Guess who's eating that last bite of taco? That's, that's what we got to do. That's what, that's what I had to learn. That's what, we, that's what it means to become one flesh, to put your selfish needs aside. So that, that's what, what, it, what it came down to, just being one flesh. Absolutely. So my advice to all the youth here today is to enjoy the season that you're in. Don't try to rush it. Everything is beautiful in its time. You're single, enjoy it. Enjoy all your free time. Enjoy that time with the Lord. Get to know you. Get to know who you are, who, who the Lord wants you to be. Focus on you. Um, and then when you start dating, that is so fun. Enjoy the long phone call conversations that never end and you... You know, don't want to wake up to go to work the next day, but that's on you. Enjoy it. Enjoy the sweet text messages in the morning. Enjoy it. When you get engaged, you're never going to plan a wedding again. So enjoy it, ladies. Like, don't stress out. Just enjoy the season. Um, because once you're married, you're never not married. So everything is beautiful. Try to, like, just enjoy the, the moment that God has given you. But with that, don't enjoy yourself too much. I'm serious. Be careful and be keeping your eyes on your purity and your holiness. There is nothing better to be able to say, like, I made this commitment today and I kept it through all the way to my wedding night. Amen. And in closing, I just want to share kind of what what the world teaches, right? What the world, what the culture is teaching. The culture is teaching in the dating world that we have to, uh, what, go to these apps, right? What, what, there's so many apps out there. There's even a Christian mingle, right? So the culture is teaching us to date, to have sex, and to live with each other, to see how compatible we are, right? But that's not what the Bible says, that's not what Jesus teaches us. That's not what, what we're called to do. And if you can pull up that, that verse in James 4, please. James 4, 2 through 4. 
It says, you desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know what friendship with the world means? Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Guys, we don't want to be enemies of God. We want to follow the path that, that God has for us. And that path is, is purity. Uh, that is to say no to casual dating and say yes to dating with a purpose. Dating with, with the goal of marriage in the end. So, so, guys, when you go into the dating world, when you start looking at, at thinking about you like a girl, you're thinking of dating her, look at her the way God sees her. Look at her as a precious daughter of the Lord, right? And, and picture yourself being a husband that is able to provide, that is able to lead. Ladies, when you look for a, a, a boyfriend, when you look... Look at him as, he's in, as, as you're going to marry him, and he's going to lead your home and lead your future kids. So we got to have that, that different perspective. Not the perspective of the world, but the, the perspective that Jesus has. Amen? Amen. Amen. We would advise you to continue to seek godly counsel. One of the Amen. things that we lacked during those early years was the fact that we didn't have a couple mentoring us or for us to be able to go to. That would have avoided so many tears so many heartbreaks, so many fights, but you all have that. You have this community of leaders that are loving on you and, and guiding you, so don't, don't get away from that. There is No one in this world knows everything, so don't ever think you know everything. Seek help. That is so important. And with that, just keep in mind that this is part of your testimony. This purity promise you're making, you're going to be able to tell your kids that. You're going to be able to tell your kids, like, I did this. You can do it, too. I think about that day. I think about, I married your daddy, and that's it. Like, that's it. Your daddy is everything. And if I did it, if we did it, you could do it, too. So Amen. be encouraged. Amen. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for these youth making this commitment in the eyes of their peers, in the eyes of their parents, and most importantly, in your eyes, Lord. I pray that you guard them, that you provide for all their needs, Lord, that there is never a moment where they lack wisdom and guidance because your Holy Spirit is before them. Father, I thank you for this promise that you've made them and the promise that they're choosing to walk through, that they can remain holy and will remain holy up until marriage and in marriage, Lord, because they'll only go from glory to glory if they could keep pursuing you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome job. Awesome job. Before we have our amazing youth director come up and preach, I just wanted to speak to you as the pastor of the congregation, Joe Wyrostek, my wife's in the back. She actually gave me her purity ring as a gift to me. We married as virgin, uh, she married as a virgin, and I married as a born-again virgin. 
And we just want to say as pastors and as leaders, we're so grateful you're here. And we support every family and the decisions that they make and how they allow their children to date or not date until they're 25. So we just want to say we're here to help you see the big picture. And my daughter is here as an 11-year-old getting her first promise ring. You know how kids grow. She'll probably get 10 promise rings before she graduates the youth group. But we just want to say as a church, we're here to partner with you. We're not here to do your job for you. We're here to partner with you. And if we do it right, we can do it together. And then let's just be honest. A lot of people did it wrong, right? We have some baby mamas. We have some baby daddies. We got some baby kids. We have a lot of families that are not your ideal family. It's the way the real world is. Not everybody's going to have a sweet story like John and Laura. And we're here to partner with you as a church to do that as well. Uh, one of our greatest testimonies is Lauren. Lauren, would you raise your hand? She was a baby mama, single mama. Mama, and she was waiting for her stud, her stallion, and God brought her Andrew. Drewski, can you raise your hand? And one of the most beautiful testimonies is how Drewski, who I like to call, you know, Andrew Drewski, he brought in Olivia, her daughter from that other relationship as her as his own. And then they had children together. So the blended family is beautiful. So parents, don't be ashamed of your story. Be honest with your kids. Tell them your story. And then parents, uh, 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 youth, don't go home and now say the church gave you permission to date. Okay, we didn't. We're just telling you to be pure and then to go home and listen to your parents. Can we all stand up and give it for the man of God of faith and power for the hour, Joseph Bonia. I can't wait to hear what you got for us, baby. Preach to this one right down there. Come on. Okay, amen. 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 Uh, we don't actually need two mics, so could I uh, have someone take this? Maybe. Yeah, there you go, Jose. Thank you. Yeah, praise God. Thank you, pastors. I was not expecting that, gosh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thank, praise God for John and Lauda. Everybody give a hand clap for Jesus and what, what he did in their life. Yeah, see, the, a lot of things they said, it really wouldn't make sense spoken anywhere outside of this place. You talk about purity, you talk about waiting for marriage, you talk about thinking of big picture, dating with intent. Uh, that's really frowned upon nowadays. Uh, I was actually, um, this week I was, I was looking up uh, what people really thought about purity. You know, it's good to hear what other people think, okay? You may be hanging out with some friends, ask them about some things you care about. Like, ask them about hey, so uh, do you think stealing is wrong? And they'll be like, man, I steal all the time. Well, better check your pockets because they might steal from you. Uh, hey, what do you think about lying? Oh, man, I lie all the time. Well, you better be careful what they say because they might lie to you. So I was wondering what people thought about purity that don't believe in Christ. I wanted to hear, right? So there was this one testimony online of this lady who actually partook in something that a lot of our youth are doing right now, a purity ceremony. And she did it because she felt pressure to do it. She said, well, everyone's doing it. I want to do it. I want to fit in. So she did it. And she felt so much shame and guilt afterwards because she ended up having sex. And she felt so much guilt, but she didn't blame the conviction because the Bible, the Bible says that conviction is actually in our hearts, that our conscience, right, shows us when we're right and we're wrong. She didn't blame that. What she blamed was the church, that the church had guilted her into being ashamed. There's this thing called slut shaming, okay? And forgive my language if, I, if it's too strong, but I don't know any other word, but slut shaming. Where you sleep with as many people as you want, you talk about it, you're vocal about it, and anybody who tells you, hey, that's wrong, that may not be, you may want to guard yourself, you may want not to do that, oh, they're shaming you. They're wrong, 
right? And it's incomplete. I want you to understand how completely torn apart the world is because that goes right into, right against the Me Too movement, which is also big, which says, hey, man, let's honor women. Let's protect women. Let's not talk bad about women. So the world, they don't know which side of the mouth they're speaking out of. They don't know what they're really doing, and they don't know how to speak about purity. So that's why in this world we have hookup cultures. We have lots of kids that don't know their parents. We have Lots of websites, like porn websites, that kids spend hours on, and they become addicted to, and they become desensitized, and then they also begin to look at women just like that. I remember I had to have conversations with my wife about men, about how they actually look at you. When they actually try to talk to you, they're not really, when, when some men compliment you, not all men are complimenting you out of a good heart. Sometimes they're complimenting you just to get with you. And you have to understand that literally I was in high school and I would talk to friends. And then I remember I was going to this youth group with another kid and literally we're, uh, we had a crush on the same girl. And I mean, I'm, trying, I'm not saved at this point, but I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to not do as many bad things. That's what I thought Christianity was at this point. So I'm talking to him, and then he's like, man, look at that girl. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Susie. Man, what I would do with her. And I'm looking at him like, wait, what? We go to the same youth group. Like, you're literally looking at this girl, and he would talk to her, ask her for homework and all that, all this stuff, be kind to her. But deep inside, all he wanted was one thing. He just wanted sex. So in this culture that undermines purity and glorifies porn, glorifies hookups, glorifies uh, um, just being out there, being immodest, Let's get to the real answer, what purity is. What is. Why does purity matter? Why does it matter that you wait for marriage? Who cares? Why does it matter if you save yourself for someone else? Why does it matter that you want to do the right thing? Why does it matter? And the answer is very simple. It matters to God. Amen. Can I get an amen? It matters to God. So the only reason this matters is because it matters to the one who matters most. And that is God. And the thing is, this world can never talk about purity enough. The Me Too movement, all your little teachers that try to tell you good things about yourself, even even sometimes our uncles or aunts or even our parents, they may try to, to honor you, but they'll never honor you the way the Bible says you should be honored, the way God sees you. They have to work to that. They have to see you how God sees you because any way less is, is horrible. It's a sin. It's a perversion. When we look at people any way less than the way we look at God, it's a perversion. It's a perversion. So if you look at someone as a trophy, it's a perversion. If you look at someone just to get at them, right, not to know them as a person, it's a perversion. If you think of people just as a meat to, to do whatever you want with and just toss them aside, that's a perversion, okay? So why does purity matter, okay? And besides, because it matters to God, just, two, just one other word, the gospel, the gospel. The gospel is all about making impure things pure. Everybody say pure, Making impure things pure. You see, nothing in this world speaks about purity like the word of God. When it comes to the gospel, Jesus was touching people that other people deemed as pure. He was healing them. There was these people called lepers where literally if you touched them, you were considered impure. You were an outcast. Okay, then he was talking to prostitutes, drunkards, redeeming them, telling them who they are to God, telling them that they can have another life. People that they kind of turned away from. They turned away from them. But guess what? Jesus walked with them and he healed them. So the gospel is about making impure things pure. If we can go to James 1, James uh, chapter 1, verses, uh, verse 21, please. Actually, my, my fault. Go to James chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. 
So the Bible talks about purity better than anything else, better than anyone else. You see, because purity is not just virginity. It's not. There's a, it's, virginity plays a part in it, but purity goes deeper. Purity goes to the intention of the person. It, purity goes into the thoughts of a person. Purity goes into the habits, the addictions that the person may have that, call, that is called impure. That, that's where purity goes. It goes past even sexuality. It's whether or not you're actually right with God or not. That's what it's about. If we go to James uh, chapter 4, it says right here, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Yes, the devil will run scurred from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Yes, the Bible talks like that. You sinners, wash your hands and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Everybody say, purify your hearts. The Bible is literally telling us to come near to God. It's telling a group of people here, right, most, uh, most likely a Jewish church, a Jewish congregation that did a lot of right things. Some of them probably had their virginity still. And he's telling them, come near to me. Why? Because without this, without being drawn near to God, we're actually far from God. All of humanity, no, no matter how religious you are, it doesn't matter how many times you've been to church, it doesn't matter how many things you haven't done. Well, you're, you've said a lot of things. You know, you said your pastor, your, your pastor just said he was a born-again virgin. What? I've been a virgin. I've been good. Oh, yeah, the, the, these people may look at porn. Okay, you, you, you don't do those sexual things. But how many impure things do you do? The Bible says that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we've all actually been far from God. And we need to come near to him. But the thing is, we can't do it on our own. Matter of fact, none of, us, none of us are capable of doing it at all by our own strength, by our own morals. We cannot do it. We can't. So what needed to happen? Jesus needed to come to us. The pure one, the only pure one, had to come to those impure. If we can go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses uh, 20 to 23, please. 1 Peter chapter 20 to 23. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. A little, a little higher, please. A little bit higher. My bad. Uh, chapter 18, sorry. It's just right above. Right. I mean, verse 18, sorry. But just right above this. Right above. Okay, there. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in a reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things, that mean things, things that die, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed. These rings won't redeem you. These rings are just a symbol of what God has done. So when you put on these rings, it's not like, oh, snap, I lost my purity ring. That's it. I'm impure now, you know? No, that's not how it goes. This is a symbol now. Symbols are important only for being symbols to point to a real thing. So this is just a symbol of a reality that's taking place. It was not with perishable things such as silver or gold uh, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. That means without Christ, your way of life is empty. And it's handed down to you from your ancestors. Look at your parents. Be like, you, emptied, you handed me an empty way of life before Jesus. That's literally what they, before, without Jesus, you are handing your kids an empty way of life. Hey, you want to, here, son, become a baseball player. Empty way of life. Oh, all right, son, you want to join the business? It has nothing to do with Jesus. That's an empty way of life. Oh, you're giving your son advice outside of the word of God? That's another empty way of life. Everything you give your child besides Christ 
and his teachings, that's an empty way of life. And you've done your child a disservice. You need to repent and follow the teachings of Paul because he's smarter than us. And he has the Holy Spirit, and he had it, and he met Jesus on the road. Have you met Jesus on the road? Have you wrote 13 epistles uh, in the Bible? Let's, let's listen. I mean, this is Peter, sorry. He walked with Jesus. Peter walked with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. Did you do that? You could walk with Jesus, but you haven't ate with him. This is Peter talking. The dude who walked on water, he's telling you what to pass on to your child. So it's, it's, this, is, this is what it is. But the, the precious blood of Jesus, that is what redeems you. The precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, the pure one, Christ, the pure one, a lamb, innocent. A lamb is a symbol of innocence, of purity. You may think your child is pure. Stick around a couple elevates. See how innocent they may be. Just being honest. Being honest. See how innocent they may be. He's the only innocent one. He's the only pure one. And he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him. Say, through him. You believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified, everybody say purified, purified. yourselves by obeying the truth that you have sincere love for, uh, for each other, love one another deeply from the hearts. I want you guys to understand this, that you cannot purify yourself outside of the gospel. You see right here, it's talking about obeying the truth. What's the truth? Just a couple verses above that Jesus died and he rose again. That's the truth right there. That's what James was talking about when he's saying, come near you sinners. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts. He's saying, look to Jesus. Come near to Jesus. See his blood-stained hands and wash yourself with his blood. Wash yourself with his blood because you are impure. And he's the only pure one. He's the only pure one. You, your lifestyle, your job, that means nothing for your purity. Christ is the only pure one. If I can have Lawrence come up, please. You see, Christ is the only pure one. What we're doing here is not simply to say, hey, man, my child, you know, I'm, I'm sending him here. I want him to make sure he, you know, doesn't have sex. Yes, that's part of what we're doing, right? But this is a commitment to God. This is a promise saying, listen, I take what my purity means to God, serious. You see, this has nothing to do with, with uh, the relationship that they have with their friends or anything. This is about them and God. Them and God. They're telling the Lord, I hear your word and I take it serious. I want to honor you. If I can have all my deacons come up, please. All my deacons, please. If we can go to Psalm 119 in closing, verses 9 through 11. You see, what we're talking about today is Christ making impure things pure. And a lot of us have come into this building, and we may have been impure. We may have been people that were far away from God. People that did not know Jesus. People that were so used to the empty ways, pass it down to them, have sex, get, you know, get, get to know somebody have sex with them. See if they're good enough to be your husband or wife. That's a lot of the stuff that we were told, my wife and I. We were told a lot of those things. But just like John and Laura, we, we saw the bigger picture. We wanted to make sure we honored the Lord. And this is what exactly what our youth are doing, what you should do, whether you consider yourself married. Listen, marriage doesn't purify you either. Marriage doesn't purify you. You could be an impure married person. 
There's a lot of impure marriages that happen. And you know where they end up? They end up in the divorce court. There's a lot of impure marriages that happen. You know what they end up with? Adultery. People that don't honor the person because they don't honor God. So what we're talking about here is about youth committing themselves to God, saying, I'm going to wait for marriage because I love you, Jesus. Because I love you, Jesus. And by loving Jesus, just like John Alado was saying, right, you see that your life starts to get in line. Right? That means you're no longer dating the wrong people. Why? Because Christ has made you pure, so you understand what pure things are. Psalm 119, verse 9, asks a very important question, a question I hope that everybody asks themselves, and, and, and parents including, right? It's, it's this, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Such an important question. Such an important question. Everything I told you today was straight from the Word of God. Every bit of wisdom, every bit of understanding that you need to hear, that you need to know, is exactly where it needs to be in the Word of God. Right after it's answered, by living according to your Word. I could just imagine David, right? I, I, I'm, I don't know if he was young at this point. I don't know the, the history behind this specific verse. But imagine just a young man asking the Lord, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? And the Lord just lets them know by living according to my word. So many people are wondering, man, when am I, how, can, how do I know I'm going to marry the right person? How do I know if I'm wasting my time? How do I know if I'm going to end up divorced? How do I know these things? Listen, don't worry about that. Just live according to his word. Live according to this word. See this ring that you're about to, to come up here with your family and, and, and just partake in and see it as a symbol of what you're doing. You're made pure. You're living right. You're honoring God. You're living according to his word. Amen. If I can have my wife come up, please, and you can get the other mic as well. You have it? Awesome, baby. So for the altar call, we want to call everyone up, right, to stand up. Everyone stand up, please. But we want to have a special time uh, where we call the, 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 the kids that are going to participate or the youth that are going to participate in this purity ceremony. You may not have a ring, and it's perfectly fine. We actually have extra rings, so if you want one after you, don't feel embarrassed. But listen, if you heard the word and you want to be made pure, you want Jesus, the pure one, to change your life, make you a new creation. Listen, he's ready, he's willing. This altar calls for you, you can come up. But if you're participating in this, I would like uh, you to come up with your parents, though. So come up with your family. So if you have a ring, 